0: No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit outdooredge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N A T I O N 3 for 30% off of your purchase. <laughs> This is the Nine Finger Chronicles Podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up everybody? Welcome back to another episode. Hopefully everyone has had a great week. Happy Friday. Get your ass outside. I don't know whether or not Uh, The hunting season is in yet as far as deer are concerned. If it's not, watch football, play outside with your kids. I don't care what you do. Get outside, build the brownie points, have fun this weekend, breathe some fresh air, forget about work for a little bit, maybe even disconnect from your phone uh, and social media, but make sure you finish this podcast so I get my analytics (laughs) uh, before you do disconnect. But uh, man, October 1st is almost here. Um, my mind really isn't in the whitetail woods quite yet. Uh, it's in South Dakota right now. Uh, the third week in October, I have a another mule deer hunt coming up where I'll be bouncing around the South Dakota countryside flinging arrows at uh, mule deer. Hopefully this year, I, I got a feeling this is my third year going back. This will be my fourth trip. Um, I'm feeling really confident. I just got my new bow last week, so uh, the day before and yesterday I got it tuned. I got the sight on it, a brand new rest, and it's crazy. This year I decided to try something different, and I'm I'm going with a limb-driven rest um, instead of a cable-driven rest. So I'm gonna see how I like that. But right now, uh, my new bow—I got a Bowtech solution. That son of a bitch is shooting darts like. It is. It's. It's the first bow that I feel I've ever had that has that that sound to it, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, me taking extra time at the bow shop and getting the cams uh, aligned, uh, the trigger at the same time, uh, the the just. I don't know. It just feels really good. Here's the big kicker. Uh, This summer, when I was testing out bows, I was testing out, you know, 29 inch draw lengths. And the bow shop where I was doing a lot of my shooting at, the guy looks at me and goes, Hey, dude, you're not a 29, you're a 30 inch draw. And I was like, Well, I've always shot a 29 inch draw. He goes, No. So he put me in a 30 for the first time ever. And I was able to just stretch out a little bit more. And I felt. Com- it felt completely different so that right there tells you how green i am to all of the archery stuff that uh you know typically i get my bow i i put my my uh accessories on it and i start shooting and i i i do it that way but this this bow Uh, matches my body really well, and I think a lot of it has to do with that uh, 30-inch draw, and I feel more comfortable holding, so I'm just excited to keep shooting that, and hopefully I feel confident enough with it to take it to South Dakota with me. I'm telling you right now, if I don't feel uh, confident with that bow in the next three weeks, which there shouldn't be any reason why I shouldn't, I should just shoot it and shoot it and shoot it, Um, I'm going to take my prime. Uh, with me, but uh, I'll definitely be ready with that new bow by uh, the Iowa Whitetail season. So anyway, I have uh, I have that going for me. What else? Today's episode, right? We're going to be talking with returning guest Justin Zar. He's kind of a regular customer on this uh, podcast. So recently, there's uh, some hot topic. One of the hot topics is YouTube demonetizing certain YouTube channels that revolve around hunting. Uh, Seek One, I think, uh, got demonetized a while ago. They're pretty big. Some of the other uh, major hunting-focused YouTube channels have been um, have been demonetized as well. And that's what we're talking about today. We kind of break down why they think, why we think they're doing it. Um, if it's something that's going to last. Uh, if it has to do with their advertisers. A whole bunch of just really. Uh, interesting uh, talk. Uh, Justin wrote an article about this on the Bowhunting.com website that you should take uh, check out as well. But uh, we basically revisit that article in this podcast. So a lot of uh, a lot of interesting talk, and it, it, it's it seems to be how everything's going these days. It's like, well, we'll we'll let you show hunting on our podcast, but you can't show the kill shot. You can't show the recovery of the animal and you can't show processing the meat in the field. So it, just imagine watching a hunting video of a deer walking in. It fades to black and then it's just an interview of the hunter at the end. And I'm sorry, but in my opinion, it, that just doesn't work for me. Uh, so I would, not consume, I would not consume that content. Uh, I, I don't know what it is about uh, not showing everything. Uh, that is important to me, but it is, it is it is important to me. So I don't know if I like that or not. Anyway, we talk about all that all that in, in today's episode. But before we do it, dude, we got to do three quick commercials. And I'm going to tell you this: new bow, same arrows, same broadheads. Wasparchery.com. Okay, Wasparchery.com. Check out the their lineup of mechanicals and fixed blades. Um, I put my jackhammers back on on my arrows and on this new bow i'm not gonna shoot any field points with this new bow i mean it's already the i mean it's already the uh, i mean hunting season's close enough so i'm not even gonna put field tips on these arrows i'm gonna just tune my bow and arrows to my jackhammers and dude i'm telling you right now jackhammers destroy whatever they hit period uh, I love it. Huge, huge blood trail, um, even in marginal shots, which we don't try to take. We don't encourage, but they happen in real life. Uh, a lot of destruction, really good blood trails. And uh, that's why I like using Wasp Archery. And those heads are made in the USA. So that's why I like them. Uh, wasparchery.com. And then we have Vortex Optics, title sponsor here. Again, you go out. When I when I went out to Nebraska... Um, the deer were moving in the first 30 minutes of light and the last 45 minutes to an hour uh, of light so the importance of good optics in that in those scenarios where you're in low light conditions my spotter and my binoculars needed to be quality, right? And Vortex Optics provides that type of quality. They per, they also provide their VIP warranty, which if you haven't taken an advantage of that yet, it blows my mind why you would not buy from a company who is willing to, if, if you break, it doesn't matter how you break it. If you break your optics, you send it into them, they fix it for free and then send it back to you. That's customer service at a, a level that goes above and beyond what any company really needs to do which tells you they care about their end users and their customers and they want returning customers they want lifetime customers uh so go check out all of their optics at vortexoptics.com by the way kick-ass people that work there too uh hunt stand man in nebraska i was just all over hunt stand looking for places to hunt looking for you know the, the 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 top the topography of an area how deer are moving through there all that stuff right so a digital map is very important in a scenario like that it, it just it helps you identify everything right satellite imagery and when i mean satellite imagery i mean the most up-to-date satellite imagery on a monthly basis right these guys are uh are updating their satellite imagery every single month. And so not only do you have a app, you know, a hunting app, that is literally the most robust, most functionality compared to anything else on the market, it's like 50% cheaper. And I, I, I hate using the word cheap. It's 50% less expensive than the other... Uh, you know, the other platforms that, that are out there. You have twice as much functionality for half the cost. So it, to me, it's a no brainer why people aren't using this. Um, and even with that uh, less expensive price, they are still giving me a discount code now to uh, to use. And that is s n two zero so if you go and you download their um download the app and you upgrade to the elite level or that it's elite or pro i can't remember but you upgrade to the next level usually it's 40 bucks take 20 percent off that with sn20 and now you're getting it for uh less money even less money so uh no brainer check out huntstand.com to read up on all the functionality and i forgot to do the uh uh the wasp discount for 20% off. It's it's a long discount code. Nine the number nine followed by the word fingers two zero two one. Nine fingers two zero two one and that's gonna get you twenty percent off your broadheads. So there's that. Now without further ado let's listen to me and Justin are bitch about more things <laughs> in this world especially the Uh, demonetization of hunting channels on YouTube. Three, two, one. He's back. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Czar. What's up, dude? What's
1: up, buddy? I feel like I was just here. We just talked not that long ago, but here we are again.
0: Here we are. And I do want to apologize for, uh, like I told you, 11:30 this morning is when we were going to record. It is now 11:45. Big delay on my part. I was pooping, so I apologize.
1: Well, that's an important part of any daily routine, so I
0: understand. Especially Sometimes at, it runs long. Yeah, especially at our age, right? You know, bowel <laughs> movements become more and more important the older you get, from what I hear.
1: You know, when you when you're eating healthy and like not eating carbs, you don't poop much. Yeah, it's really weird. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's very strange.
0: Yep, I'm on. I'm back on the carb train though, right? So. Oh yeah, me too, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So, um, and for lunch, you know, I, I really didn't eat that healthy. I do have a fortune. I ate Chinese and I have a fortune cookie that came with a meal, and I want to okay. read it with you on the air right now. And here's what it says. Let me open it up. All right. Someone is looking up to you. Don't let that person down. (laughs)
1: That person is me, Dan. (laughs) Don't let me down.
0: So I I instantly think of my children on this, but for some reason, I I don't have a feeling any of the listeners of this podcast really look up to me. It's almost like, just like what I was doing. Well, I got about 20 minutes to take a shit and uh, I'll see what old Nine Fingers has to say today. <laughs>
1: don't sell yourself short dude. there's some there's some person out there listening to this that's looking up to you okay maybe as strange as that may sound and as misguided as that person maybe <laughs> they do exist
0: <laughs> this guy i just imagine this person being on like the last straw of his life like he's just at the bottom like he's just figured it out like man I have addiction problems <laughs> or or something like that he's at the bottom of his life and he's like okay nine fingers he's gonna pull me out I need, of this
1: I need some somebody to get me through this right this difficult right. time right dance, someone dance,
0: someone who's a little guy. bit big of a more of a loser than I am
1: <laughs> that's how I inspire people <laughs> by being a bigger loser than them so so when somebody thinks like it could always be worse they think of me <laughs>
0: Oh man, I love starting. I, I love. I'll be honest with you. When it comes to motivation, like motivation, I am a shit talker to myself. Like whenever I start to struggle in my fitness program or my diet, I like I motivate myself by shaming myself. Like I'll look in the mirror or I'll I'll say to myself when I start to get really fatigued or tired. I'm like, you're a pussy. You're uh, a, I do the same thing. You're it's a piece a of shit. Yeah so that's that's how i motivate myself and at work too i I motivate myself by you know when i oh maybe i got a podcast and it's late and it's like almost midnight and i want to i want to push it off to from a thursday to a friday let's say uh i'll motivate myself by looking in the reflection of my computer and saying you're a piece of shit, johnson there's other people out there (laughs) who are working twice as hard as you and they're gonna make it and you're not and i'm like yeah Okay, that's right. You know, I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, and then I'll, I don't know. I don't know if that's healthy or not.
1: (laughs) It doesn't matter if it's healthy as long as it works, Dan. Yeah.
0: These days, these days. All right. So first question I have for you. All right. Before we get into the main topic is, do you have cell cameras out right now? Yes. Okay. What are they showing you? Jack shit. Jack shit. That bad.
1: Jack shit. Yeah, you know, it's weird. I, I don't know. I just maybe I'm in the wrong spot. I mean, I'm not. I mean, getting plenty of deer on them. Just nothing yeah. exciting right now, to be honest with you. I'm missing a few bucks that I was hoping to have shown up by now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of those, a lot of young bucks. I mean, we've had really weird weather lately where it's been, like, really hot. Yeah. And then now we're, it's getting cooler again and some rain and stuff. So, I mean, if if cell cameras have shown me anything in the couple of years that I've used them, it is more obvious than ever how the weather patterns dictate deer movement. Really? You know, a lot of times you, you put a trail camera out, right. And you let it sit for a couple months and then you go back and you check the pictures. And it's like, you can't remember from day to day what the hell the weather was doing unless maybe it snowed or something. Right. When you're looking at those pictures, you yeah. don't remember if it was hot or a cold front and often like the temperature on the picture is usually never Right from what I can tell, I don't even know why they put the damn thermometers in these cameras. Um, but what I can tell you is like, when we get these little warm-ups like we had earlier in the week, it was damn near 90 degrees on Monday. Like my cameras are dead. Like I'll get a picture here, a picture there. And like, after using these cameras for a few months, I have a, a baseline of like, when I wake up in the morning, like how many pictures should I have on every given camera? They kind of like have like a cadence or a bit of a pattern to them. And then when it gets warm, Everything's dead, 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 dead And then like last night we had a cold front Move through and I woke up this morning and Sure as shit, buck here, buck here, buck Here, more pictures, it's like It's like they flipped a switch and All of a sudden I got a lot more pictures on my cameras And like I said, I think that's So much easier to notice when You're getting data in real time Than when you get it three months later And have to try to go back and figure out what was happening At that point
0: Yeah, My information is showing something different it's crazy like everything that you just said your information
1: is clearly wrong the deer on your property
0: are dumb and they don't know what they're doing they, they didn't get the memo but it's crazy um you know last week when it was warmer than it is so far this week i've uh, i've gotten way more pictures of deer moving right at that last light and then something happened this weekend even on this cool down uh starting yesterday i'm uh, it's kind of slowed down for me but most of the movement was nocturnal right so the same deer the same deer showing up in a 24-hour period um last week i had what i would i guess i would consider my first shooter buck on cell cam show up so he's He's working that last ten minutes of light, nocturnal, and then he's coming back through this little gate opening uh, in the mornings as well, somewhere around like the four four thirty a.m. And uh, he's a, a beautiful nine pointer. I, I'm guessing low one fifties, uh, but that's the only deer right now that I'm even interested in shooting. Uh, and other than that, it's nothing but does and like basket racks. So. Uh, right. I I don't know. I it's always it's always I'm always interested to see what's moving on other people's properties. And so on this property that you, what's the food water cover scenario where you have your cell cams?
1: Um, let's see. Food. That's where most of my cameras are at right now. Is on food because I mean they're just there from summertime. Yeah. So it's possible that the patterns are changing a little bit. Mine are mostly on beans or on a. Plots Or on bean fields, which are now pretty well brown. I mean, they started picking beans here around my house this past weekend. I saw farmers out picking beans. Um, So yeah, everything's pretty much on food. You know, water is not much anywhere, to be honest with you. Uh, And then, you know, they're pretty close to cover. You know, depending on the the camera to good bedding cover, like the ones I've got a couple where there's buck coming out in the evenings into the food sources and I know they're coming from from a bedding area. Uh, but it is interesting when you've got multiple cameras on on the same farm uh, to see like from night to night, like a deer, a, a buck might come out in a food plot before dark one night and then you're like, oh, man he's on a pattern. He's going to do that same thing the next night. And then the next night he comes out uh, on a field edge, literally on the complete opposite side of the farm. Yeah. So he was complete. you know, obviously bedding in a different area of the farm from, from day to day. Um, so it's kind of, I mean, it's hard to ever establish like a real true pattern in the way that we yeah. want to. Um, but I mean, again, I've been hunting a lot of these farms for a while. I know what the deer generally do. I know what the general movement pattern is. And then every year it's just kind of trying to hone in on how an individual deer or that group of deer that's there at that particular time is moving that pattern just a little bit one way or the other, you know, maybe depending on acorns or, or crop rotation or something like that. Like it, the general movement seems to remain the same from year to year. And then you just kind of have to fine tune based on those other factors of yeah. a tree fell down or somebody put up a fence or, you know, something along those lines.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um my uh, most of my movement which surprised me this year, you know, so that Doratio came through Eastern Iowa and knocked down a ton of corn, right? So I thought this um, when they when they picked it that they were going to put in beans this year, but they went corn on corn on this farm which typically the corn means the deer aren't in there. They they start coming in to the farm. At about the late September timeframe, but they've been here all summer and they've stayed. So relative, right. you know, there's, there's, there's a couple shooters that haven't really uh, uh, showed themselves yet. I'm sure they're in the area. They're just not coming through this particular uh, gate crossing, but there's, but typically on a corn year, there's not much movement until it's picked, and then the you know they they start heading out into the fields to eat. But this year, I'm quite surprised by the number of deer who are still on the property. So uh, that's that's a yeah. positive. Now, yep. next question is: as you get older, right? We're both in our 40s now. Um, where does the excitement level is is it still there throughout all the years, or like for me right now, uh, I'm not even I'm not really even fired up about whitetails quite, I mean, I'm excited, but I'm not like fired up, excited, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, considering the fact that I'm leaving tomorrow morning at 5am to head to Colorado to go elk hunting. Yeah. White, white tails is like the last thing on my mind right now. You know, I'm checking my cell cameras and I don't have a lot of deer that I'm personally excited about chasing. I got a couple that I would like to shoot. Like I said, I got a few that I'm still waiting with bated breath to see if I get pictures of them again. Um, so my personal level for of excitement for deer hunting probably isn't it what it used to be. But again, I'm going elk hunting, so that's kind of taking precedent right now. And then, you know, to be totally honest with you, I'm more excited about taking my son hunting again yeah. this year. You know, partially because like we're not waiting on like a four year old or older deer to shoot. So there's a lot more targets <laughs> for us to go chase. And there's a couple nice two and three year olds that showing up on camera that I'd love to have him shoot. So, like, I'm I'm really looking forward to, to that, you know, and spending a decent amount of my time with him this fall. I think my youngest guy kind of wants to tag along at some point. My daughter might even want to tag along. So, um, we might hop in a ground blind, you know, a bunch of us at, at some point in time just to get them out in the woods and experience that. Yeah. So, I'm probably more excited right now anyways for that. But, I mean, there's no denying, dude, once the last, you know, 10 days of October comes and we start getting those frosts and those – cold fronts moving through like you know my level of excitement will rise to the level that it always does but i'm probably just a little bit more tempered these days as i'm older right no need to get all jacked up and excited now when i'm probably a month away from the good stuff
0: yeah yeah that's a fact all right so you recently wrote an article on uh, bowhunting.com about how youtube has been demonetizing hunting channels uh, across their platform so yeah. why don't you give us a high level synopsis of what your uh of what your article is about and then let's break it down
1: sure um so let's start at the very basics right youtube in general and i think most people are going to understand this but for anybody that does not right you know ask any kid these days maybe your your kids included what they want to be when they grow up and they say they want to be a youtuber right i mean youtube has taken over the attention of the younger generation far and away more than any other medium out there my kids spend more time on youtube than probably anywhere else right so right. the idea behind you know being a quote-unquote youtuber as you create a channel you start uploading videos if those videos are good you can hopefully grow your audience once you grow your audience so i believe it's a thousand subscribers or more you can then monetize your videos you can go to youtube and say yes i want youtube run ads on these videos youtube then takes care of running the ads on the videos for you and the more views that you get on those videos the more money you make from youtube it's a revenue share right? right and because youtube is worldwide and has billions of users and an insane amount of contact they they attract huge advertisers Right. You go on YouTube and you watch a video and you see Geico and Liberty Mutual and Tide and, you know, whoever we're talking massive, massive corporations that, you know, are taking a chunk of what was what used to be their television advertising budget and they're putting it on YouTube and they're running commercials on YouTube videos. Right. So that's kind of the, the gist of this whole thing. And now the last couple of years we've seen, a uh, you know, kind of an explosion in popularity of hunting shows On YouTube and I think that's for a bunch of different reasons like YouTube just in general has really blown up in the last couple of years so naturally like uh, the high tide raises all ships right so you've naturally seen an increase in the hunting content as well and over the last couple of years you know we've really seen uh, a couple hunting channels that have that have taken off you know we've got a couple you know channels out there that are you know, three, four, 500,000 subscribers, which was kind of unheard of, you know, back in the day for a hunting type of channel. So, um, you know, in, in, the channels we're talking about, you know, you've got Seek One, you've got Hush, you've got Born and Raised, you've got, uh, Hunting Public. Um, you're seeing guys like Jeff Sturgis, Chris B, um, you know, Dudley's been around for a while. I mean, obviously our channel now is over a hundred thousand subs for bowhunting.com. So, you know, there's, you know, let's say a dozen or so of these channels that are pretty, you know, statistically significant, you know, in the, the YouTube uh, ecosystem. And for the last couple of years, YouTube has been um, demonetizing videos. And basically what that means is like, YouTube says your video is no longer suitable for our advertisers, they don't want to advertise, or we don't want them advertising on your video. And they've really targeted like, Uh, the gun community has been hit really, really hard. Like there is almost zero advertising on any firearms related stuff. But, you know, the the archery and hunting stuff is up until now, by and large, been spared. You know, they've demonetized some videos maybe for graphic violence or um, excessive like blood and guts type of things or maybe if you're gun hunting, like... But it's been sporadic. It hasn't really affected everybody. And a lot of these guys you know, have been able to make a pretty significant amount of money, right? When you get to that three, four, 500,000 subscriber level where your vi- videos are getting hundreds of thousands or millions of views, like you can make a, a, a real amount of money, like to the point where that could be your real income for your business um, or for yourself. So that's kind of like setting the stage to where we've always been. And hunting content, you know, by and large has been fine to put on, on YouTube. Well, what happened was, it appears that sometime in the end of July, YouTube updated what they call their ad friendly guidelines. And basically what this is, this says like this is the type of content that we will allow people to run ads on and therefore make money on. Right. It's a series of guidelines and it goes over everything from like violence to, you know, money Ponzi schemes hate and just speech. like scams, hate speech, you yeah. know, like it covers everything. Right. Right. And uh, they updated it very specifically in July to talk about hunting videos. This, this update was very specific to hunting videos and saying that they will no longer allow monetization of any video that shows any sort of harm inflicted on an animal by a human being you know, purposefully, which includes shooting them right with an arrow or with a bullet. Um, I mean, if you break it down, technically speaking, you are causing that animal harm when you're killing it. Right. I mean, right. It, it is what we do. It's part of what we do. So they they clarified some verbiage that basically says you can no longer monetize your videos if you are showing animals getting shot or wounded, if you're showing um, animals after they've been shot or wounded or. And this is the in, the more interesting one to me, the process of um, essentially processing your animal for either trophy or meat after it's been shot Hmm. which you're talking about taping, quartering breaking down an animal you know maybe skinning it out how to do european mound um you know how to break your animal down to pack it out of the woods i don't know to what extent they will go to not allow you to monetize those like if you're just in your kitchen with a you know, a rear quarter of a deer and you're breaking it down into roasts and steaks. I don't know if that would qualify or if they're more just worried about, you know, somebody in the field, you know, butchering and and breaking an animal down. But regardless, as their guidelines sit right now, you are no longer allowed to monetize those videos. You can't make money off of those videos. Right. And this all came to light because YouTube apparently it remains to be seen if this was random or strategic uh demonetized several channels um, that had very large followings. It doesn't look like they just demonetized at random, like little guys and, and people. Like it appears to me anyways, like they selected some of the bigger channels that have a lot of subscribers. And they demonetized the entire channel, not just specific videos, but the entire channel for 30 days. And they said, you guys cannot make any money for 30 days. You need to fix all of your videos, whatever that means, and then at the end of 30 days, you can apply to be monetized again. So you can you can request that we allow you to start making money again, and it's basically arbitrary whether or not they're going to honor that request. We have nobody's got any idea. Um, number one, what they need to fix. Number two, how to fix it. Number three, if they can even be fixed, and if they'll ever allow these people to monetize their channels again. So it's sent a bunch of kind of ripples through the hunting uh, YouTube community because not everybody got, hit. you know, only, only uh, hey, a half dozen or so of people got hit. Seek one being one of them that got hit and, and demonetized. So that's kind of where, where things are at. There's been a lot of chatter, you know, amongst the YouTube kind of content creators. I've talked to a bunch of people, you know, everybody's nervous, you know, questioning what's going to happen because for some of these guys, you know, it's a pretty statistically significant portion of their income. So, um, you know, it kind of remains to be seen, you know, if everybody's going to get nailed uh, or not, when it's going to happen, and then ultimately what the future holds. Like if people want to continue producing hunting content for YouTube and they want to continue to make money off of it, you're going to have to abide by these new rules, which means no showing kill shots no showing the animal after it's been shot so like imagine you know i watched a video on youtube last night of an elk hunt it was buck commander guys in utah this dude's absolutely just 12 rings an elk it runs out 60 70 yards stands there and then flops over dead right and that's like what we love to watch as hunters but under the new rules you know you can continue to show it but you can't make money off of it And if you want to make money off of it, you can't show those kill shots, can't show the animal tipping over, can't show breaking it down, packing it out, can't show any of that stuff.
0: Hmm. So basically what we're going to start seeing is uh, if people choose money over tradition, basically, or... um, whatever it is you know they're they're going to be forced to have a choice at some point do they want to make their money off their youtube channel then what we're going to see is a hunt take place and then a fade to black right before the shot and then Mm. a um from the stand interview or some other kind of interview edited to make you know to make this what are your thoughts on this type of censorship you know because Ultimately, it is a form of censorship, us not being able to show what it is we do and how, how we do it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because I don't know that it's necessarily a form of censorship because they're not saying you can't film it and you can't post it on YouTube. They're just saying you can't make money off of it, which is maybe a sly roundabout way of censoring mm-hmm. the content without outwardly censoring it. Because if you remove the monetary incentive from it, you know, there's significantly less incentive for people to do it. Um, so I think it's it's just a, there's so many moving parts to this and so much to think about that's not apparent on the surface. Um, so I don't know exactly how everybody's going to end up handling this and what they're going to end up doing. Because I think it's easy to say, like, well, you have a choice between, you know, are, do you value making money more than you value making content? And it's like, well, everybody values money like it's their jobs, right? right? I mean, if Apple... You know, or whatever your biggest, you know, platform is that people listen to this podcast on. Let's just say it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, right? If they came out and said, we're not going to allow you to talk about certain things anymore. Like, are you willing to dig your heels in the sand and say, screw you? I don't need you, even though maybe that's the number one uh, source of you know listens in your case for your content right it's it's easy for people to sit out sit back when they're not forced with making those decisions and and say what they would do but i mean i was just talking to todd graff about this earlier this morning like you know it's one thing if you're a bow hunting channel you know let's say you're us and you're bowhunting.com and we put up several hundred videos a year and 30 of those have kill shots in them right okay whatever maybe we have to fade it to black or edit it out or whatever. But what happens when you're like a waterfall guy, right? I mean, who wants to watch a waterfall video
0: birds, not
1: see the ducks get shot. Yeah. A lot of them, you know, the whole point of those videos is a multiple kill shots of those animals and them falling out of the sky. You know, I think people can begrudgingly maybe live without seeing the slow motion impact of an arrow going into an animal because there's a lot more to, the setup and the you know how to and the animal coming in and the in the story behind it but when you're you know waterfowl it's a little bit of a different thing you know we we're talking about I, I don't know exactly who the guy is whose channel got demonetized but like there's a guy that's been doing waterfall videos you know for many years ton of subscribers makes 100 percent of his income from his youtube channel 100 percent of it has no sponsors no other income now he has employees, he's got a camera guy, he's got an editor, he's got a dude that manages his social media, he's got employees, he's running a legitimate business, and all of a sudden one day he comes in and it's gone, it's literally gone, poof. Yeah. Um, and, and he can't make money, and he doesn't even, and at the time, he didn't even know what the hell he did wrong. And it's not like you could just call YouTube and get somebody on the horn. You know, Google is notorious for not being able to provide, you know, creator support you don't have anybody you can call maybe you send an email maybe you get a response in a month if you're lucky um but it puts everybody in a really precarious you know situation
0: yeah um you know is let me ask you this so we have we have been as hunters facebook right uh bans people or bans images or um you know blocks people or or even kicks people sure. off their platforms. Instagram does this. YouTube is starting to say, "Hey, listen, you can have your video on here, but you're not going to you're not going to be able to take advantage of our monetization system." Potentially, the next step would be, "Hey, we're not going to allow any type of hunting videos period on our, you know, on here." So, right now, hunters are, you know, hunters and people who enjoy that are are still putting all of their stuff on there, but they're tweaking it maybe just a little bit so that they can get by right now. What is stopping, uh, hunters, you know, and I have a feeling it's just straight up convenience. What's stopping us from all joining a platform like go wild or another hunting based social media platform or outdoor platform that is dedicated strictly to, to hunters or to outdoorsmen?
1: Well, I think, well, it depends on which group of people we're talking about joining up. If you're talking about just like the average person that wants to go on, talk hunting, share their, their stuff, their user of the platform. I think the biggest thing that's stopping them is like, that's not where all their friends and family and everybody else is right. It's easier. Like when my wife and all my family and friends and everybody are on this platform and we're all together sharing content and whatnot. I think it's just sheer convenience and just, they've reached critical mass with Facebook and Instagram and whether and TikTok and and all these ones, it's just, that's, that's where everybody's at. So it's really, really hard to create another platform and get people to leave where they're at. You know, if you piss them off enough, they'll go, but if enough people don't follow them, eventually they're going to get bored with it. And they're going to go right back. Yeah. Right. Um, You know, so I think that's probably the biggest thing for the user. And then for the content creator, I mean, it's very simple, man. It's money, right? I mean, it's 100% it's money. There is nowhere else you can go and do what you can do on YouTube and make the kind of money you can make with YouTube, you know, and that's purely because they have the sheer volume that they have of all content, all videos, which attracts huge, huge companies to spend millions and millions of dollars and then those you know a fraction of those millions of dollars are trickling down into the hunting content producers that would otherwise never in a million years get a penny from any of those companies yeah right none of those companies are ever going to sponsor anything hunting related but they'll put their ad on youtube which will then play in front of a hunting video because YouTube is basically just broadcasting it everywhere. Right now, right. every company has the option to limit where their, their content is at. If they say, hey, I don't want it on certain types of content. Um, but most of them aren't doing that. They're just going with like a, a shotgun approach It's cover all of it, right? We want to get in front of as, as much eyeballs as possible. Liberty Mutual knows we all need insurance, whether we're hunters or not hunters, we need insurance. So put an ad everywhere, right? right. Um, But again, that's the biggest barrier is there's a significant amount of money flowing into YouTube from companies that will never invest that money into Go Wild or into any of these other platforms. They're just never going to do it. Yeah. So that's the biggest barrier.
0: Yeah. All right. So you, you talk about money and for someone like you who probably has a little bit of insight onto the monetization of your YouTube channel, what is the, the equation? Like how much do you get for a uh, hundred views or a thousand views? What is that?
1: Man, I wish I had a really good answer for you <laughs> and I don't because you know, we're not a big enough player, and I don't focus on YouTube enough to, to say that I definitively know what the CPMs are. I, I, I can tell you this, they vary from video to video, and I think it has to do with what type of video it is, how long people are watching the video for, which ads they're skipping, which ads they aren't skipping. Uh, my understanding from YouTube is that like the more subs you get and the more views you get, the higher the CPM you also get so like as you grow you naturally make more money as well um so here i mean dude i'll I'll, try to log into my uh youtube account real quick and i could probably just tell you you know what some of the typical cpms i think we're seeing like four to six dollar cpms something like that like dude it's not much you know so i mean you're talking and that and when i say cpm i say like cost per thousand impressions so for every thousand views your video gets let's say you're making six bucks right so i mean even if your video makes a hundred thousand views maybe you make what does that work out to be six hundred bucks something like that for a hundred thousand views on a video like you need to really get a lot of views in order to get it to be any sort of statistically significant amount of money
0: yeah yeah so a hundred a hundred thousand views is six hundred dollars right yeah here here,
1: I'll i'll tell you I'll tell you right now. Let's say, um, gosh dang it, where's my mom? so I'm I know I know
0: this number doesn't sound crazy big uh, as far as an income for an individual, but if you take fifty two, let's let's just say you're putting out enough content on a year uh, a yearly basis to put out one one video. And I don't, I don't know what Seek One does. I don't know what you do. I don't know what the, the hunting public does but, or born and raised or hush. But I'm assuming that they, they are hitting this mark. They're, they're consuming somewhere around 100,000 views total of their content in a week, yeah, in a yeah, week yeah, yeah. let's yeah, just say. Yeah. So that CPM
1: is actually going to be a little bit higher. Again, it depends on, so I'm just looking at a recent video that we put up that right now has got 22,000 views, right? It was a an early season uh, Kentucky bow hunt. And our CPM on that video was, I'll tell you right now, if I can get my calculator to work. It was like 14 bucks. OK, it was pretty good. I was pretty good on that one. All right. You know, partially because the video performing well. People aren't skipping stuff. They're watching it. The average, you know, um, watch time is higher than some of our other videos. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that particular video, we got a fourteen dollar CPM. So, I mean, uh, we're doing pretty well on it. So I, I know that I mean, dude, there's guys out there making well into the six figures every month with their YouTube channels. Like you can create, you can, you can do pretty well with YouTube.
0: Gotcha. So, so now they take this hit, right. Uh, And now these companies have to really think about how they're going to continue to make their, you know, continue to make their money. Um, how does a company at this point with all their, you know, obviously, um, seek one has sponsorships outside of that they that they See, doing. I don't
1: think those guys, I don't know those guys personally, but I don't believe they do.
0: You don't think they do. Okay. I don't think they do. Um I I'm assuming that some of these companies I uh, you know like uh who Some of the other guys do. Yeah.
1: So like, you know, Born and Raised does, Hunting Public does, um you know, some of those guys do have income from other sources and I talked to Aaron at uh, hunting public yesterday, him and I talked for about a half hour, just about all this stuff. And, you know, I think for those guys and, and like for us and some other people that have set up our, our business model so that we're not reliant hundred percent on YouTube, it, it would suck to get completely demonetized, but it wouldn't put anybody out of business. We're not going to, we're not going right. to go broke. Um, it sucks. I mean, nobody wants to lose any money, especially in business. Um, but we will survive through it. Uh, for some of these other guys, it's it's a much bigger hit for them, right? The yeah. ones that weren't diversified into other areas. So to your point, like, how do you recoup that money? Let's just say you decide to to dig your heels in the sand and say, I'm not going to stop showing the type of content that I show. And I understand I can no longer sell ads through YouTube, right? So what are my options? You basically have two options. A, Go into doing what the rest of us do, which is selling advertising and sponsorships, becoming corporate sellouts, as we like to talk about, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the that's that's the first thing, right? I mean, that's the the main way that most of us make money from from what we do, uh, and, and that's not a, necessarily a bad thing. I know it kind of gets a bad rap from uh, a lot of the dickheads on the internet, but it's really not as bad as everybody thinks it is. Yeah. Um, and then the second way beyond that would be to go to some sort of um, Subscriber based system like a Patreon or something like that, where your viewers are paying you money to get access, you know, to unfiltered access to your content, you know, and it's going to that subscription based model. And, you know, these guys haven't done a subscription based model, but the only people that I can think of that have ever done this and have done it for a long period of time is whitetail adrenaline. You know, Jared and his crew, you know, took a stand in the early days and said, we're we're going sponsor free. And the only way that we're going to support this thing is through selling our merchandise and selling our videos, selling our DVDs, which, no, it's not a monthly subscription, but it but it's the same concept, right? right? We are supported by the people that like the content that we produce and are willing to pay for it. They're really the only ones that I know of that are doing that model. You know, and then when Haunting Public came along, they basically took, you know, Jared's model, which was the public land, run and gone, aggressive, fun, you know, which was successful in its own right. And they just took that model and put it on YouTube. Right. And then instead of people having to pay money for it, they got it for free. But then they were supported by YouTube ad revenue. And then as they grew, I'm sure they were able to go out and you know sell sponsorships and, and have other forms of revenue. Yeah. Um, But again, I mean, that that's really it. There's not another like rev sharing program out there that you can just go participate in like YouTube where, hey, I'm going to build this thing up and and get a million views on this video and make money off of it, partially because there's no other platform out there that has the audience that YouTube has. Yeah. The issue with going somewhere else is like YouTube's got billions of users that come to it every single day. Nobody else has that. Yeah. So sure, you can take your content, you can go run somewhere else and put it somewhere somewhere. But if the audience isn't there to give you the views, then how do you sell the sponsorships? Right. So this is all like a big catch-22, right?
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I've never really looked into it. I maybe did once a long time ago when I thought when I, thought I was going to do more filming for uh, sure. the network and, and for Nine Fingers. But um, Carbon TV, how similar yep. is Carbon TV to YouTube?
1: I'll be honest with you. I have no idea. Okay. I don't know. I don't really don't know anything about it.
0: Yeah. And I don't, uh, I, I honestly don't go to carbon TV at all. I don't watch any carbon TV at all. Um, I, I guess I'm not sure why I don't cause for the most part, isn't it free? Is carbon I, TV think so. free? I
1: think so. I think I think it's probably a similar if, if my understanding is it's some sort of like Rev share because I think Carbon TV is uh, part of a bigger like outdoor hub or something along those lines yeah. where they're essentially selling advertising across a variety of different platforms. So they are trying to go out and get like larger, like Ford or Chevy or somebody like that, who may not want to advertise on an individual show, but they may say, Yeah, I'll advertise on carbon TV. Because all of your shows put together is a large enough audience for me to be interested in it. And that also might span across all their different web properties as well. So if you're like a website owner, let's say you own a small hunting forum and you do fairly well, you get a good amount of traffic, you got a decent base of people. um, But you want to sell advertising and like you have a full time job. It's like, dude, I can't cold call people. I don't want to deal with the accounting aspects and Writing contracts and all this other, you know, BS. Yeah. So maybe what I do is I team up with a larger network, something like an outdoor hub or a car and TV, and I say, Hey, you guys sell the advertising for me and then just split the revenue with me, right? Yeah. I mean, so similar concept to YouTube. Um, I believe that's how it all works. Uh, I, I don't know what their viewership looks like, you know, in terms of numbers. Um, because then, obviously, that directly correlates in how much money you can you can make, right? I mean, right. with YouTube, it's like the sky's the limit. Everybody's on YouTube. You just said, like, you don't watch Carbon TV. I don't watch Carbon TV. I'm not going to say I've never watched it, but yeah. I'm not a regular watcher of it. But I sure go on YouTube an awful lot yeah. and watch a lot of a lot of stuff, right?
0: Right. What, why do you th- – this is a long question. But why do you think that they are coming out – against the, the hunter, the, you know, all the, all the brands that we just mentioned who have been demonetized when I can pull up any rap video or any, like there's so much craziness out there with ass and titties flying around with, um, vulgar language with, uh, violence all on, all on YouTube and they're all monetized as well. Um, why hunting compared to some of this other stuff?
1: Well, I think a lot of the violence is intended to be demonetized as well that you see on YouTube, you know, but I mean, dude, there's no questioning the the hypocrisy and the double standards that have long existed in the media, uh, and in popular media and music and film, you know, that aren't applied to, to you know, a Quentin Tarantino movie that, you know, that may be applied to, you know, somebody shooting a deer on YouTube. Like, there's no questioning that there's just a double standard and there has long been one. Now, why are they doing it? I mean, it's probably a combination of things if I had to guess. You know, YouTube is owned by Google. Google is known as one of the more woke type organizations out there in the world. Um, So it certainly wouldn't surprise me if, you know, at its core, there is some sort of, Uh, anti-hunting, not necessarily agenda, because I don't think they're out campaigning against hunting, but just a general feeling, a general dislike for hunting uh, within Google as as a whole, as an organization. That certainly wouldn't surprise me. I don't know if that's true or not, but I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think anybody would be surprised by that. But if I had to guess, you know, I would say the main thing um, is just their bottom line and their pocketbook. You know, when you start working with these large, organizations and attracting um, companies that are spending millions of dollars in ad revenue. Those companies, if I, I would be willing to guess that if you gave them a survey and asked them like, are you okay with your ad being shown on a video um, that shows deer getting shot with a bow and arrow and then standing there bleeding and falling over dead, they would probably say no. Like in the corporate world, everybody's afraid of getting canceled you know, afraid of blowback, you know, YouTube being afraid of it as well, because there's been plenty of times when, you know, these advertisers have either threatened to or have pulled their advertising dollars because they didn't agree with the content it was being shown on. And I think there was, you know, there wasn't necessarily a hunting related thing. But if I recall, there was some sort of, uh, I don't know if it was like racism or white supremacy, or just some sort of videos on YouTube that people were monetizing that, people found out about it. And of course there was a fake uproar on social media about it. And then, then the, all these idiots reach out to these corporate companies and say, I'm never going to use your product again. Cause I was on YouTube and I found out that your ad was shown on this video that I disagreed with or found offensive. Yeah. And then you know how it goes, man. It's the digital mob, you know, right. screaming at everybody.
0: Yeah. I want to pivot just a second. Uh, this popped into my head and I, I've run into this a couple of times where I sell advertisement on a variety of places on a variety of different podcasts uh, throughout the network and throughout Nine Fingers, and I send my media kits in. You know, like my my document that has all my analytics on it. I send it in. I communicate with people from you know these marketing departments or or um, uh, people who are founders or owners of the company and whatever. And I, I've I've realized that. Some of the people who run the social media accounts for some of these hunting brands, and I'm not going to go into detail and, and name any names here, but um, and some of the marketing people within those companies are not hunters themselves. They they are they are working at a, a hunting um, a hunting company or a, a manufacturer of a hunting product, but then they themselves do not, uh, hunt or are not familiar with hunting. Do you run into this? And is, is, do you think that's an issue?
1: Uh, I run into it a lot. And frankly, at first it used to surprise me. Um, now it doesn't, maybe I'm just so used to it at this point. Um, I think there's both good and bad in it. I think from, um, From an advertising and marketing perspective, I don't always think it's such a bad thing. I think it's bad when I see this more in like a product development role, because I think if you're not somebody that's passionate about using the product, it's hard to innovate and create something that that Hunter really want. And I've seen a lot of companies miss the mark because the people kind of behind those decisions don't really understand the ramifications of what they're doing. When it comes to the marketing side of things, um, it seems to be a little bit more cut and dry. Uh, A lot of times it does help to separate the passion uh, that we all have for hunting from the job aspect of it when making marketing decisions. Because a lot of those decisions are made based on like return, right? So, I mean, it's ROI, it's spreadsheets, it's, you know, what do I put in versus what do I get out? Um, so sometimes, like, I understand some of the decision-making process and why you would want somebody in that position that isn't so emotionally tied into their work. Um, but again, I also see the downside of that, meaning, like, sometimes they do or say or create things that miss the mark on the marketing side of things, which for me, like, I'm a, I'm a lot more lenient if I see somebody make a dumb social media post that I could tell was maybe made by a, a social media person that doesn't really Hunt all that well or understand hunting, uh, versus when I get a product in my hand that I'm trying to use, and I say to myself, "Like, did did anybody who actually hunts bother to test or use this product before they made it?" I think that's a far more egregious offense.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, man. I I just I don't know. You know, obviously, I I listen to some uh, business type content as well, and I, I hear these people. Saying, you know, hey, if, if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket, be prepared to have that basket drop and all your shit crack. Right. So, um, you know, from, yeah. from a business standpoint, hey, man, that's kind of your fault. Knowing the way the world operates today, of course, like I would I, I would look at, you know, me making 100 percent of my income based off of YouTube and I would go, of course, it's going to get banned at some point or the money's the money's going to stop coming in or hell maybe even my entire existence on youtube is wiped out because they decide to delete my channel you know well right. will that happen probably not but what i'm getting at is um you like hunters in the business have to think about that right now because it is i mean there have been some pretty big accounts um not necessarily taken away, uh, off of the, you know, but, um, I was at the Poma conference, uh, in, uh, uh Franklin, Tennessee this past uh, spring and, or was it, yeah, this summer. And there was a guy who used to work at Facebook there. And he said to us, there is definitely a button or a Uh, Someone can go into the background of a um, behind the scenes of a Facebook page or an Instagram page and click uh, a reduce visibility, meaning your, your, your Facebook page or your Instagram page is not going to get the same or have the same visibility as other pages that are out there because of the content that you're putting out. Um, sometimes people even get, you know, 30 day bans, or they're banned for a long period of time or even permanently based off of the content that they put out. So, um, there is another, uh, that's another example of how these, these companies are in 100% control of you. If, if everything you do is off social and other people's platforms.
1: Sure. Yeah. And we've, you know, so talking when I say we, we hear bowhunting.com, yeah. like we, we realized this a long time ago, right? you know, which was part of the reason that we never really put many of our eggs in the YouTube basket. And there was a, you know, there's a, a part of us, right. That's kind of pissed that we missed what we considered to be kind of the window. Cause you know, we felt like we were, you know, pioneers of creating this content and putting it online and YouTube was just never really on our radar Partially for that reason, right? Because we knew we weren't in control of it. And we didn't want to invest our time into building up something that we had no control over and that could be taken away from us at any minute, right? Um, So like part of us were like, damn, all these other YouTube channels, like we've been around forever and they got more subs than us and, you know, whatever. But, you know, at the same time, we also have to recognize we were focusing on building our own platform, our own network, something that we were in control of and that had real value you know, uh, you know, a YouTube channel, you know, for the, all the value that it has in the intermediate, like time being can be taken away from you and there's nothing you can do about it, you know? And, and I know you say like, for some of these people, like maybe poor planning on their end, but for some of those people also, like they never got into this hoping to be a YouTube star or right. thinking that this was even get, they just started a YouTube channel cause they wanted to, they liked making content. All, you, all of a sudden one thing leads to another before you know it you're making a million bucks a year off of YouTube and you're like shit I could do this as my full-time job there's plenty of people that do it it's in the news all the time you've got you know Jake Paul and Logan Paul that everybody knows now and they're YouTube guys so like it's become what people believe is like a viable you know business or a viable you know job for a lot of these guys and when they're giving they they weren't given a warning they weren't given a notice to say, hey, we're going to do this if you don't clean yourself up. They weren't given a strike, one, two, three. They literally just woke up one day and had the rug pulled out from under them, which is really just a shitty thing to do, especially when you as an organization know how much money these people are making. Yeah. Right? So you have to know that these people are reliant on that money, you know, either for their own personal livelihood or to run a business or whatever the case may be. So handling it that way is just a really shitty thing to do. Um, but back to, to what you were talking about in the diversification and the Facebook and Instagram, like, you're 100% right. Like, we all suspect that behind the scenes they can throttle your reach if they don't like what you're doing. They'll never come out and publicly say it. But we all kind of know, like, that's, that's happening. I mean, dude, I look at our own Facebook page for bowhunting.com. We have almost a half a million likes on our page, and our average post re- reaches... Twenty or thirty thousand people, you know, there's no way that that's a real thing, right? I mean, that's just Facebook throttling our organic reach to our to our community. If we reach a hundred thousand out of five hundred, that's a really good post for us. Yeah, like something went really, really right. But I would say our average post is. 20, 30,000 people is is how many they reach. Yeah. You know, out of 477,000 people that have liked our page, like how is that even possible? Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's very plainly because these social media companies like for better or worse, right or wrong. I mean, they seem to have a vendetta and want to stamp down the message of hunting. And, And it's gotta be just because it's you know it's killing animals right and there there's some folks that just aren't on board with that and these companies seem to want to um protect everybody i guess from the the horrible evils of the world
0: yeah yep uh, it, it's crazy man uh, and I, I i honestly think that my my uh instagram page has been that that reduce visibility uh button has been on, on my uh, Instagram page. Cause I, not only are my numbers way down from, I want to say six months ago, but like the, not, I was on this awesome trend of gaining, you know, hundreds of followers in a month, like hundreds of followers a month. And then all of a sudden it just flatlined. And it was right around the time that I got, my account got hacked I don't know if you remember that last last year where um something happened and someone started posting ISIS stuff on my on my Instagram page and they blocked it and cut <laughs> it down and luckily I got in contact with the right people who had connections at Facebook who were able to get me back door uh, and get me my accounts back up and running. So right. Uh, I got very lucky there, but since then i I have my everything's just slowed way down uh, as far as yeah. my, my growth is concerned and, and it it sucks, man.
1: yeah, I think there, I think there's a couple things going on there. you know, ever since Facebook bought Instagram, there's been a lot of talk about them doing the same thing with Instagram that they did with Facebook, which was allow for almost an unmetered amount of organic growth. Right. So when we were on our ramp up to half a million likes on our Facebook page, like it was it was nonstop. I mean, it was hundreds of new people a day with like insane organic reach and just like dominating. And then all of a sudden, one day they just cut it off and it wasn't just us. It, it was kind of everybody. Um, and then they said and then all of a sudden the little boost your post button showed up next to your post. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately for them, it was a way to start making money like. Hey, we're going to allow you to get all the, see what all this is. It's like, they're like a drug dealer. They give it to you for free, get you addicted to it. Oh, you're reaching all these people. This is great. Now people are selling advertising. Hey, I can reach 200,000 people with one post, pay me 500 bucks and I'll do this or whatever. And all of a sudden one day that gets cut off, boom, it's gone. And now you want to still reach those same 200,000 people. Well, guess what? Put in your credit card and hit that boost post button and, and there you go. So... I think Instagram's following kind of the same trajectory. So there's a period of time where we're seeing really large, almost unmetered growth of Instagram accounts. And then, you know, that's going to taper off, slow down and eventually stop. Uh, and then they'll want you to pay, you know, for growth is what uh, essentially will happen. So it may be tied to the hunting thing. It may not be. Um, but ultimately for them, it's just a way to, to make money. Like everything, Comes back to the same thing: a way to make money. Everything.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm doing some math here. I, I <laughs> my daughter watches this YouTube channel, um, and I just kind of Google searched how much money this lady's making from a chair uh, in her bedroom. Uh, so, so there's that. Um, she's making <laughs> she's making roughly 2.8 million dollars a week. If I had to guess, let's let's just drop that down a little bit. Hang on, two million dollars, two million dollars a week she's making. Yeah, does that does that make does does that even make sense times fifty two? I mean, a
1: hundred million a
0: year. Hundred million a year. I don't know. And that's the
1: possible.
0: That's I, based off of a very conservative CPM, a hundred million. Dollars a year, and that's the twelfth rated, the twelfth rated, uh, the number one rated YouTube channel. I, I'm sure you've heard of this, Coco Melon. You know who Coco Melon is? Uh, yeah, it, it's yeah. It's the Nursery Rhymes. They're doing 731 million uh, views a a week. So, so
1: I know. I know that number. It's got to be high, but yeah. I mean, it, it's because I know. I believe the top YouTuber in 2020 was freaking Ryan from Ryan's World.
0: Yep, he's the um, he's actually he's like 11, like 30
1: million. Is he like now? Because yeah. I know, like him, Mr. Beast, like those guys are making somewhere in the 20 to 25 million a year yeah. range. Dude, perfect, 23 million, like freaking crazy, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> right i don't know
0: man preston, anyway
1: my kid watches this kid 19 million 19 million bucks preston yeah
0: they, they get head. that from playing videos video games <laughs> Bli- blippy yeah you watch any blippy yeah yeah
1: big, big blippy fan
0: did you you ever heard about the blippy i guess one day he um this guy i think he was at a bar drinking with his buddies and he's just like i gotta do something different and that's what he did and that is now how he makes his living. He's like, "Oh my God, look at this! This is a ball pit. Let's jump in the ball pit!"
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey kids!
1: Exactly. My kid would sing the, the excavator song like like nonstop yeah. freaking my kid. So my my youngest son is he's almost five now. The first word that he could spell the letters of was Blippi's name, no doubt. Because because in his videos, he would, like, sing it and, and say it, B-L-I-P-P-I, Blippi. So my four-year-old, like, before he could even spell his own name, could spell Blippi.
0: Yeah. That's, That's crazy. crazy.
1: So, yeah, this whole YouTube thing is, dude, it's, it's, it, it's nuts, you know. But I, I just don't know that there's really a whole lot that anybody is going to be able to do about it. Yeah. you know other than essentially play ball with youtube try to find alternate ways to monetize your content um and just kind of deal with it like for us you know we've always diversified where our content is is at and in youtube is one of the smaller um we get less views on youtube than we do on our other mediums right so like we've kind of conditioned people like go to our website and watch it go to our roku channel and watch it go to our apple tv channel download our mobile app like like all of those mediums put together get more views than our youtube so youtube's less than 50% of our views in cumulative for for our content and for our show so I think what we're going to continue to do is obviously keep promoting like our own website, because that's the one thing that we're in control of. And luckily for us, bowhunting.com, we're moving like a million and a half to a million and seven people through that website every year. So we have a pretty good platform to broadcast our message from. Our our social media platforms are yeah. pretty large and active. So. We've got the big email lists. Like We have the infrastructure set up to be able to continue supporting what we do. And we don't really need YouTube for anything if we didn't want to do it at all. Yeah. Uh, we're going to continue to do YouTube. Um, we're probably just going to abide by the rules and see what happens. They may just demonetize our whole channel, and we don't really care if that happens. Um, but we're going to abide by the new rules and let's see what happens. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to essentially have two versions of our show. We're going to have the version that it's always been – which could be maybe the director's cut or the unrated or whatever you want to call it, that will continue to be on all of our platforms except YouTube. YouTube will have the you know made-for-YouTube watered-down, lesser, interesting version. But for people that are on YouTube, they can continue to watch it there. Let me ask you this. Sorry to
0: interrupt. but no. So essentially you're giving in to the rules and regulations so you can make money off YouTube. Um, what... well, let
1: me stop you there. Let me stop you there because there's another consideration to think about.
0: Okay. Here. Okay.
1: Um, and this is something that Aaron Warburton brought up to me that I hadn't even thought of. If you, if, if you adopt the position of screw the man, YouTube be damned, we're going to keep doing what we're doing and we're just going to not make money off of YouTube. Right. Right. And you keep putting your videos on YouTube. What a lot of people don't recognize is that most of the views on any YouTube video come from recommended videos or suggested videos, right? So we all have done this. You sit down at YouTube, you type something in that you want to watch, and then you get sucked down the rabbit hole. And the rabbit hole is the little sidebar or the related videos. You're like, oh, that looks cool. That looks cool. That looks cool. And you just keep clicking and watching, clicking and watching clicking and watching that's where the majority of views on almost every video comes from is from those YouTube recommendations from their algorithm to people that are watching similar videos okay if you go if you go in with the idea screw YouTube screw the monetization just do what I'm going to do you're removing the incentive for YouTube to show your video as a recommended video to other people right because YouTube doesn't make any money either Not only are you not making money, but YouTube doesn't make any money either. They want you to monetize your videos. That's their incentive. So if you start doing that, the likelihood that you're going to be showing up as a recommended video anywhere on YouTube is pretty much gone, which means you can kiss your, you know, trying to grow your channel, trying to get more subscribers, trying to get more views, like all that goes away. It becomes virtually impossible which then becomes even more difficult to try to sell sponsorships because now my views aren't growing, my channel's not growing, people aren't watching the stuff that I'm putting out there. Even if I said YouTube be damned, right? Because you are at the mercy of the YouTube algorithms to help grow your channel. Regardless of how good your content is, you're at the mercy of YouTube's algorithms. And if they're pushing you down because your videos are not monetized, you're fighting a battle you can't possibly win. So it's not so much a case of worried about the money that we're making, giving in because we don't want to lose that money so much as it is we don't want to lose our ability to reach people with all of our videos that can then help direct people to go to our other channels, right, and help our sponsors and our partners. Yeah. So there's a lot more to think about there than just saying like, You gave in, you sold out once again because it's all about the money.
0: Right. But essentially, it is kind of all about the money, right? Because Well sure, we have uh, a business. Yeah, it's a business that have to get paid. Yeah, exactly. So it's almost like they're not blocking the stream, they're just directing where it goes. So Correct. Yeah, man, I don't know. There's part of me that just doesn't like this shit. Uh, (laughs) Like any I, I don't
1: like it either. You
0: know? Like I I don't know, man. It it just makes it difficult for, um, it makes it difficult for me to give more fucks about things. I I I don't know, man. I just, it, I'm fed up with a lot of things lately, and all these things just kind of at like, it almost it just snowballs and snowballs and snowballs until guys like me just are, I don't know. We work really hard. To, to show a lifestyle, uh, a, a non-violent lifestyle, uh, a happy, healthy lifestyle, and yet the lifestyle that I've chosen to live is getting censored in some way, shape, or form, or altered in some way, shape, or form, because another person just feels uncomfortable with it. So again, it's all about money, and I don't know, man, it just, I, it's starting to wear on me, personally.
1: It is too, dude. It's been wearing on me for years. <laughs> Believe me, don't think there that the thought hasn't crossed my mind and and Todd Graf's mind multiple times of just like throwing your hands up and saying screwing this. I'm yeah. I'm done with this. I'm gonna go do something else. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I just you know I, I, I'm tired. But here's another interesting point that Aaron brought up to me, right? And this is this is a good one for 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 you to think about because I know you're very much on the same page with this and trying to promote hunting as a whole, right? Yeah. And it's not so so much trying to promote hunting to get more hunters as much as it is trying to have an avenue to get non-hunters a a more realistic idea of what hunting is, who hunters are, what we're all about, and why we do this. Because we know that the general portrayal of hunting and hunters in mainstream media is overwhelmingly negative, right? And it has been for decades Mm -hmm. now. So – the issue that you have again with kind of abandoning and pulling pub from YouTube is YouTube truly is the only international worldwide medium that, that is visited by everybody that allows us as hunters to even try to get that message out to people that don't hunt or have never hunted or haven't thought about hunting in the past. If we lose that, there is nothing else, right? Facebook and, and Instagram and all these, those are just echo chambers, right? Your your Facebook feed and your Instagram feed is nothing but a bunch of people that you've followed and friended and liked that are like-minded individuals, fellow hunters, fellow outdoorsmen, and we're all talking to each other and jerking each other off. We're all the same. We're not reaching... A much wider swath of people and trying to have at least an opportunity to get them over onto our side we've never had it on television outdoor channel and Sportsman's, and all these you got to pay for them and the only people that are paying for them are hunters if you're not a hunter you're not going to pay for it and turn it on because you're not that interested right maybe we had it way back in the day when there was some hunting on like espn But even that isn't there anymore. Yeah. So, you know, at this point in time, like YouTube truly is the best avenue for people to be able to experience kind of what hunting is about and who hunters are and and for us to be able to try to reach that whole other community of people. And again, it's not so much that we want to turn them all into hunters as much as we just want our fair, you know, shot at letting them know who we are, what we do, why yeah. we do it, and giving them a more accurate representation of what hunting
0: is all about. I understand that. But for me, I look at that and go, hey, what you're saying is right. But now we have a fade to black instead of uh, a kill shot being. So now let's say a guy sees, sees the hunting public and they say, oh, dude, I want to go out. I got my bow. I got everything, I'm ready, I've practiced, just like what, what all these YouTube people are doing, just what I, I listen to on on the podcast, and this is a conversation that I had with uh, Matt Ross and Hank Forrester of, of the National Deer Association on the podcast. Um, on the how to hunt deer podcast that we did that the, the content is basically directed to brand new hunters. So they see these videos, but it's not a, it's not a realistic destri- uh, description because they put their broad head through the lungs. Now they've, they've taken the shot. They've seen this. They've never seen really a, a kill shot now, Um, But now they've just done a kill shot, and this doe's hunched up, or this buck's hunched up, and he's hacking blood out of his nose. And it's this gruesome death that me and you are comfortable with because we've seen it a, a hundred times. These people have not seen it, and so now they're taken completely off guard when the reality of the situation hits. And they're just like in shock because now that it's gone from, Oh man, this meat just magically ends up in my freezer to, I have to take its guts out. I have to do all these things to it, but I never witnessed it or saw it on. I maybe just heard about it, but never actually saw how it was done. And yeah, it, it, but it here's the thing,
1: dude, I think we would be naive to think that somebody would watch nothing but censored YouTube videos and nothing else before they go hunting. There's still going to be plenty of content out there for to watch for them to watch. Oh, Other absolutely! Other platforms, and there's still going to be plenty of uncensored content that will continue to be on YouTube. YouTube is so big with so much content; it's impossible that they'll ever get everything off of there. Yeah, you know, I, I, I dude, you know who's got more than a half a million subscribers on their YouTube channel that I found in the last couple of days? Keith Warren. You know Keith Warren. Texas guy yeah. does a ton of like high fence growing deer, stuff.
0: like uh yeah, high fence stuff. Yeah, yeah.
1: The high ro- the high road with Keith Warren. Yeah, is his name. dude, he's got a video on there the other day where he shoots a baboon right through the chest with a crossbow, and it's like it's almost disturbing even to me as a hunter. Yeah, you know I don't. I mean, dude, he's got some of those like vile blood splatter on his on his on his thumbnails where he's shooting animals in the head, and they're photoshopping in blood splattering off of its head in the like the youtube thumbnail and i'm like how in the hell is this guy getting away with this stuff you know and still monetizing his channel on youtube but then seek one gets demonetized who is about the cleanest you know christian faith-based like just down-to-earth family-friendly hunting that you could possibly watch they get nailed but but this other Yahoo, you know, is still monetized. I, I don't know. So I, yeah. just, I think YouTube is so big, they'll never get it all off of there. So back to my original point. Like, I, I think your scenario is very, very unlikely to happen. Yeah. That somebody decides, I'm going to go kill an animal, but I've never actually seen an animal get killed, and then they're going to freak out when it happens. Like, yeah. eh, is it possible? Sure. Is it likely? Probably not.
0: Yeah oh, well, just another dumbass conversation that we have to have. To have yeah, where you we know kinda, what I mean?
1: Yeah. No, it, it, 100%. Yes, it is. So,
0: you know, the world
1: is just a crazy-ass place. I don't know what else to say, man. Yeah. It's just uh, it's a crazy place. You know, to be honest with you, I'm surprised it took YouTube this long to do what they're doing, to be completely honest with yeah. you. Knowing the culture of the company, the type of advertisers they have, all that stuff, like – I'm surprised that it's taken them this long to say, "Hey, we don't want kill shots and videos that have ads running on them."
0: Yeah, you know, I would I would assume that those same people would be having the conversations about what I mentioned with, you know, what I mentioned earlier about, hey, listen, uh, we don't want any type of graphic sexual nudity or simulated sex acts on uh, on our on our commercials as well. Yet, I have a feeling that the that that's not an issue
1: yeah well dude if you read through all the rules i mean it says it's an issue but you got to also remember there's so much content that it's a lot of like machine ai and algorithms that's trying to rip through these videos and what however they do it figure out what the hell's in the video and what should be shown and not shown. So they just don't catch everything. Yeah. You know, it's just a, it's an impossibility, which has been one of the big knocks against YouTube and why all these advertisers threatened to pull their content because their content was being or their ads were being shown on content that was inappropriate. That was a clear violation of YouTube's monetization rules at the time. YouTube just didn't have a good enough system put in place to catch it. So now as those systems tighten down further and further and further, you're just going to continue seeing more and more people get demonetized. It started with, you know, a half dozen or 10 hunting channels, you know, next week it could be a hundred, it could be yeah. 200, it could be everybody. Yeah. You know, it's just going to get worse.
0: Yeah. I mean, and then going back to the, there, are even the smallest of rappers or the smallest of, I don't know, these crazy, the, the crazy shit that that's on, on TV is, um, it has more followers and subscribers than a hunting channel will ever have. I don't care how big these guys get. Right. And, uh, they, they, the the content that they're putting out still is not being demonetized. Uh, sure. Demonetizing. And it just, blo- it, I don't know. It, it blows my mind. Like why us? Why, why? Hunt well, it? it's, Cause it's a
1: double standard. Yeah. People don't like, a lot of folks have a problem with watching animals get shot and die.
0: But they just meet do.
1: Meet. We live in a world where that that, where that people are so separated from nature and from reality that yeah. they just they just don't like it. But I did see so seek one literally just in the last couple minutes posted a Instagram that says they're going live with Flair on his YouTube channel tonight at 9 p.m. Got an update from a VP at YouTube. He gave some interesting feedback. Going live on Instagram tonight with Flair to dive into all this nonsense. Yay. So I will be watching that. Gotcha. All right, man. Do you, do you know who Flair is and all the Guggen Bros? No. No. So well, I mean, I know. I, I
0: know. I understand who. Uh, I, I know who the Guggen Squad is. They're like a compilation yeah. of all these big fishing YouTubers, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. And Flair's one of them. He's got like 2.4 million subs on his main channel. And he started off fishing, uh, dude, when he was like 14. He's yeah. he a 14 year old kid that started a fishing channel and has grown it to 2.4 million subscribers. And he likes to hunt and trap and had a bunch of hunting and trapping content on his channel. And he literally just went and pulled it all down because he didn't want to risk getting demonetized because he's making, you know, six figures a month are rolling in. And he's got, Farms that he's bought and houses and employees and, yep. you know, all this shit that, you know, he didn't want it to get yanked out from underneath him. So Flair has done kind of some crossover stuff with the Sequan guys. So it looks like they're going going live tonight. So nine Eastern. What, what is that? Eight Central. Yeah. So at eight Central tonight, I will be tuning in, seeing what these boys got to say.
0: I, I just want to say one thing, though. And maybe it's an age thing. Maybe it's a, I would never want to sacrifice my family, right? Let's say I made 100% of my money based off of my videos being monetized in YouTube. But at some point, you have to stand up for what you believe in, in my opinion. And at what what point is that? So this guy's really comfortable. He's got a big house, he's got uh cars, he's got all these things that, you know, he has bills to pay just like we all do. But at some point, there's there has to be a um a message that comes across that listen, I am responsible for putting out somewhat of a truth about all of this. And I can't I can't do that um because of like I can't morally do that without showing certain parts of a video thus hey I better take it all down so I can keep so I can keep the income rolling in you know what I mean like
1: yeah I also, I also I think you're right I think you're right but I also think those decisions aren't something that you just make quickly I think the decision to pull everything down maybe was made quickly and maybe more quickly than it should have been but the decision of what to do next I think it's something where you have to, there's a lot that goes into making those decisions. Yeah. Right. You know, it's not just a gut like screw these guys. I'm just going to do this right now. Especially when you've got, you know, other people's livelihoods on the line, your family, like this dude, his first kid's going to be born any day. You know, you know, there's a lot to think about there before you just make a snap decision to say, you know, screw it. I'm digging my heels in and this is what I'm doing. You know? So I don't, I don't disagree with what you said. And I mean and Flair went and made himself a second channel and put a video up about how he thought it was bullshit and he was gonna continue making this content. It was just gonna be on a different channel so that he didn't have to risk the income from his main channel He wasn't going to stop making the content altogether he's just not going to risk you know the income that he gets from his, his primary channel and he talked about you know alt- alternate means of making money hey buy my t-shirt buy my hard goods you know maybe we'll do a subscription base like everybody's thinking the same way um, it's just going to take a little time to you know figure out what the exact path moving forward is going to be
0: yeah yeah buddy well, Mister Czar, we've been at it for a while today. Thanks for yes, coming sir. on and uh, BSing with us. Good luck in Colorado chasing elk. I hope you don't Thank get you. altitude sickness. Uh,
1: we're not going to be that high. I think we're like, man, six thousand to seven thousand feet. No shit. Like that. No shit.
0: Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, we were at eleven six, and I was about yeah, ready to yeah, die. Yeah, yeah. We're in
1: like far northern Colorado, okay. so like almost into Wyoming. so um, we're like 45 minutes from steamboat.
0: Gotcha. So yeah,
1: where we're at the town that we're in, the elevations like 6,200 feet. Gotcha. So I think we're gonna be between six and 7, thousand feet, so it won't be too bad.
0: Cool. Well, good luck, my friend.
1: Thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you later.
0: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Justin. Good luck in Colorado. Huge shout out to each and every one of you for taking time out of your day to listen. Please keep listening. Please keep an ear out. I'm going to be doing something special here uh, very soon. And I want you guys to be paying attention to it because it, uh, it's, going to be, uh, it's going to be cool. Uh, but that's all I'm going to tell you. Uh, other than that, huge shout out to all the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles. We have Ozonix, Lone Wolf, uh, Excalibur crossbows, Exodus trail cameras, wasp broadheads, vortex optics, and hunt stand. Please go out and support the companies that support this, um, podcast. And if you ever talk with them, tell them nine fingers sent you. And, uh, other than that, man, good vibes in good vibes out. Be safe out there. Remember that there are things in life that are more important than hunting. So just don't make dumb decisions. And, uh, keep grinding out there man it's uh the season hasn't even started yet in in my opinion unless you're out west um but for the midwest you know we have some september hunts but the real good stuff's coming so uh get ready be prepared and we'll talk to you next week